Welcome to The Film Degree. My name is Patrick, and to everyone's shock and surprise, I am back with a new episode way sooner than anyone anticipated, and that is because I am here to talk about Mother Megan. And no, I'm not talking about Megan Fox. I am talking about the newest sensation, the AI robotic killer doll, Megan. And if you don't know what that is, it is a new Blumhouse movie about an AI killer robotic doll. Like, I don't know. There's not much else to talk about. We've all seen the dance. They've been hyping the shit out of this little doll dancing. Uh, they, I think there was like, I don't know, sports. I don't know. But they did like a football game or something. Baseball game. Don't ask me. They had like the, the dancers dressed up like the Megan doll and they did the dance. I don't know. The world's going crazy over it. And I'm here to tell you if it's worth it or not. And it is worth it. But not only is it worth it, I think Megan needs to be seen on the big screen. And I don't mean that in the sense like Avatar, where you're like, oh my God, you need to see Avatar. It's so beautiful. The CGI is crazy. Like you need to see it in 3D in IMAX or else don't fucking watch it. This is clearly not the type of movie. You need to see Megan with a crowd. However, my crowd was horrendous absolutely horrendous and before i get into my thoughts on megan which obviously you already know from the way i'm talking about it you need to see it i loved it so you already know my thoughts but before i get into my thoughts i need to talk about my theater experience i plan to see megan with my best friend tonight and the thing i love about my friend is that he's he's not into movies at all like me when i talk about movie okay to me Movies are like my religion. They're like my spiritual time, my meditation. It sounds really corny and lame, but it is true. I I don't know. I have, there's something wrong with my brain, okay? And I actually, well, there's a lot of things wrong with my brain, as I'm sure people who have listened to this podcast are catching on to that. But I do have something wrong with my brain. It is ADHD. I was diagnosed when I was like 13 or something. I don't know. I don't take pills anymore. I probably should take pills, but I thought they made me really boring. But when I don't take pills, my brain is like I'm having 10 conversations at once in my head. So I can never focus on anything. I'm focusing on 12 things and I'm kind of all over the place, very spacey, but like my brain always sounds like I'm standing in the middle of a crowd and everyone's talking to each other. Like that is genuinely how it sounds to me. So when I'm watching a movie, I feel like it's the only time where my brain like will either one, shut off or two, focus on something because I'm so invested in it. And it does feel like a moment where I can, I have clarity So to me, it is like more than just like, oh, I'm kicking back and relaxing. It's like me time. It is where I feel centered. It is, I don't know how to meditate, okay? I don't know what, you know, whenever I talk about my problems with how I like really struggle to shut my brain off or uh, to only focus on one thing or to not hear all the conversations going on in my head, People are like, oh, you need to meditate. You need to meditate. Let me tell you my experience with meditation. I took a yoga class in college for my undergrad and it was the most bizarre fucking class ever. We did do meditation and I I feel like I can't meditate because I just can't shut my brain off at all. But when we, I did meditate, when we did it, she was playing like fucking Firework by Katy Perry and Stronger by Kelly Clarkson. Like 
she's like, everyone relax. And you just hear what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, it was like the most ridiculous moment of my life. I was sitting there, well, laying down flat on a yoga mat thinking, why the fuck is Kelly Clarkson playing right now? But anyway, movies to me are more than just movies. Like it is just my moment to focus. It is my moment to reflect. It is my moment to whatever. And most of my friends, actually, I would say 90% of my friends, which considering that I have like two friends, that's not a lot. They are not into movies at all. And I try to watch them with them. They don't get it. They actually shit on them when I'm trying to watch it with them. And it drives me nuts. Like, shut the fuck up. But my friend that I take to the movies, he has like never seen a movie before. He's like a Martian when I talk about movies. And he literally probably does not care whatsoever about movies but he will always watch one with me and he will always talk about it and he's always interested in it if I'm interested in it so I take him to movies and I took him to see Megan I thought he would like it and he did it was really great so we went to see Megan one he was really late and I was kind of pissed off at him I'm not gonna lie he walked in 30 seconds after the movie started I was like are you fucking serious? One, we were not able to have any sort of conversation before this movie started because you were so fucking late. Two, I hate when people are late for movies. I absolutely hate it. I cannot stand missing part of a movie in a theater. Like I can't, I cannot wrap my brain around people who will show up 20 minutes into a movie and just sit down and watch it. What the fuck do you mean you're going to sit down and watch it? You missed a quarter of the movie. I can't. It is my biggest pet peeve. I understand needing to take a piss, whatever. Couldn't be me. I'll hold it. But you know what? You do you. I understand. But to come 20 minutes late, and my friend didn't show 20 minutes late. He was literally walking in right when it started. And whatever. Anyway, <laughs> ranted for no reason. Literally doesn't matter. We watched the movie. It was really fun. But my theater was fucking awful. And I this is a movie that you need to see in theaters because it is just so wacky, over the top, crazy, hilarious, because the situation is just so can't be ridiculous. It's fun to watch it in a crowd because everyone's laughing. Everyone's having a good time. It's one of those movies. The people were driving me fucking nuts. Someone had their phone on full brightness and kept going on. It was driving me crazy. I kept seeing it in the corner of my eye. Turn that shit down. Also, someone brought their fucking baby. Be serious right now. To be fair, though, this baby was not much of a nuisance. It literally made like three sounds. I just need to say it because I think it's crazy that someone brought their baby to see Megan. Like, I don't know. And then the person next to me and my friend was coughing up a storm. You know, <laughs> constant sniffing, constant coughing, constant sneezing. I was so uncomfortable the whole time. And I am still someone who takes COVID pretty seriously, probably way more serious than most people. My friends think I'm absolutely crazy. It stresses me the hell out when someone is coughing in my vicinity. If I hear congestion in their voice, I don't want to be near it. One, I don't want COVID. Two, I don't want anything, okay? I don't want to be sick at all, period. Ew, nasty, gross. One, not covering your mouth. Two, sitting right next to me. Three, I'm stuck here. 
four, I want to finish the movie. So within the next few days, if I get COVID, get anything else or die, I'm going to need someone to go to the Imagine Theater in Canton, Michigan and get some receipts on whoever was sitting in row J, seat three, auditorium 10 on January 6th at the 920 showing of Megan because they're the ones who killed me. Anyway, so what did I think about Megan? I thought it was actually really funny, clever, and surprisingly had quite a bit of heart. Now, I didn't really expect much out of the plot, but I was pretty surprised that they did focus so much on a little girl grieving her parents. So I don't want to do any spoilers, but it's in the fucking trailer. I think the first trailer that they showed, Allison Williams is telling this little girl, your parents are dead and I'm your aunt. Like, I think that's the first fucking line in the trailer. Roll back the clip. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I like how they handled that storyline. It was, it was much more of the focus than I actually thought it would be. I thought this would be, honestly, I didn't think it would offer up much. And it surprised me. It is a very memeable movie. I think memes will be made about this movie for the rest of time. It'll be like, it's like the new Ma. Which, I'm going to be honest, I have never seen. I know that's like sacrilegious. I've never seen Ma starring Academy Award nominee Octavia Spencer. This is Patrick from the future. Patrick that is editing. And I must apologize. As soon as I heard that while editing, I knew I was incorrect. Octavia Spencer won an Oscar. She is Oscar winner, not nominee. She won in 2012 for The Help. She was nominated again in 2017 for Hidden Figures and nominated again in 2018 for The Shape of Water. I am so sorry to Octavia Spencer and I am so sorry, gays. Thank you. But I think this is the new mall. I thought it would feel kind of like a ripoff of Chucky, but it really doesn't. It is similar to the, um, the Chucky reboot where they changed him to an AI instead of a serial killer possessed by a doll using voodoo. But that's only because of the AI angle and there being a, a child. Uh, but this little girl is played by Violet McGraw, and I think she does a really good job. But I think the actual star of this movie, you know, besides Megan, because Megan is the star of the movie, the robot. She is the face of the movie. I think it will be a massive Halloween costume for years to come. I think there will be multiple sequels. I think this movie will be very successful, and I think she will become an iconic horror character. She will be as iconic as Annabelle. She will be as con iconic as probably Chucky, to be honest, especially because I guarantee you that there will be multiple Megan movies. I think they will churn these out like butter. They are not going to stop. We are going to see this little blonde bitch for the rest of our life. Okay. She's here to stay. She's the star of the show, but I love Allison Williams and another sacrilegious confession. I'm about to say. I have never seen Girls, the hit HBO dramedy created by Lena Dunham. As a gay man, you are probably thinking that's really problematic that I've never watched it. I know. I know. I've seen the clips. I've seen the clips. I've seen the clips of Lena Dunham dancing to Robin. Okay. I've seen it. I just haven't sat down and watched the show. And it has been on my list since the moment that show premiered because I saw that and I said, those girls, I relate to them. I relate to them. I don't know them. I have no idea what happens in this show. I know Adam Driver's in it. Um, I know Lena Dunham's in it. I know Allison Williams is in it. And there's two other girls. 
I will eventually watch it. I promise. I will eventually watch it. Especially because I think I'm a... I think I'm an Allison Williams stan now. Like, 100%. She is also mother. Megan is not the only mother in this movie. She is mother. And that actually has two meanings. One, you know, she's just mother, like the saying, she's mother. But two, she is now mother because she's now taking care of this little girl played by Violet McGraw. And honestly, this is my biggest fear. Now that I am an uncle now, I'm in this year, I became a new uncle. My sister, my only sister, had her first kid. And I cannot imagine my sister dying. I need to stop saying these things. I'm going to manifest. I don't want to say. I believe, no, I don't believe in manifestation. You know what? I do believe in manifestation. Actually, I don't believe in manifestation, but I am very superstitious. I am extremely superstitious. So let me, but let's say for argument's sake, my sister and her husband, her lovely husband, perish. Let's just say I am left with a kid. Do you know how terrifying that is? That is horrifying. I'm not meant to be a father of any any way, shape, or form. I really am not. Would I, if my sister did leave me her children, would I take them in? 100%. Yes, I would. I would, without a doubt, without a question, become mother to their children. <laughs> Do I think she would leave me with her kids? Probably not. She would leave them with my parents. But let's say later on. No, I don't even want to say it, but let's say it has. <laughs> let's say later on. I would be so unprepared. And that is so scary to think about. And I don't want to think about it. I don't want to manifest it. But this movie does handle that situation in a really interesting way. Because I think when these stories are not new for movies we've seen them before we've seen them before but i think this was kind of like the most realistic of what it is like for someone who has no children probably has no desire to have children now having to become a parent and i think Allison Williams elevates this much higher than it probably deserved. I'm, I don't want to say that because I think this movie does deserve love and praise because it is so funny and it is just such a good time. But I think a movie like this typically does not go past that, in my opinion. I think when a movie is in this sort of campy territory, that's kind of where they want to leave it at. They want this to be a good time. And that's just kind of what it's going to be. But I think Allison Williams does something really interesting here where she is extremely relatable. And I think that is because she just has... I don't want this to sound like I'm saying Allison Williams is an ugly woman. Because she is not an ugly woman. She's very beautiful. She, you know, is gorgeous. But I think she has one of those faces where she could be on the street walking near you and it wouldn't be weird. You know what I mean? She does not have a movie star face. And I mean that in the best way possible. She is an actress that I feel like can really, really connect to the audience in being a normal fucking person. If Cameron Diaz walks past me, I'm going to do a double take. If Allison Williams walks past me, I'm probably not going to do a double take. You know what I mean? She looks like she could blend in with society. Cameron Diaz, on the other hand, 
I don't see it. I don't see it. You know, like the thing with Cameron Diaz is she's a movie star and she can't really play a normal person. (laughs) She's just like, she's too beautiful. You know what I mean? Like she's too what you'd expect for a movie star. She has that massive smile. She's got bright blue eyes, the blonde hair. She's super skinny. She's just gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. She can't, you know, like, I would be looking at her and I'd be like, that's not a real fucking person. That's Cameron Diaz. With Allison Williams, I'm like, oh, I relate to her when she's playing a normal person. I do think Allison Williams could play someone who isn't a normal person, you know, like a gorgeous model, whatever, whatever it may be. And I think that is to her advantage, to her advantage, especially in horror, which I think, mark my fucking words, I think Allison Williams is going to be one of this generation's greatest scream queens. She already did Get Out. She's very well remembered, well regarded because of that movie. And then she did, I think she did like, um, besides Get Out, let me, let me just look, let me just look. Cause she hasn't done that many movies. She did Girls and then she did Get Out, The Perfection, which was a Netflix movie. And I believe it was horror, but I honestly didn't watch it. So don't quote me on that. Do not quote me on that. Do they not have a genre? Oh, they do. Drama, horror, music, thriller. Okay, so she did another horror movie. Then she did Series of Unfortunate Events. I watched the first season of that. Didn't care for it. Then she does a movie called Horizon Line. I don't know. The poster looks like it's a horror movie. Let me scroll down. Action, adventure, drama, horror, thriller. Okay, so we'll say horror adjacent. And then she did Megan. I think Allison Williams will have a very successful career. One, she's very talented. Two, she's very beautiful. Three, she's a Nepo baby. Nepotism is in her blood. She ain't going nowhere, okay? And you know what? I'm here for it. And I want to say something about the whole, there's this whole discourse about nepotism babies in Hollywood. Like, yeah, we get it. They take away opportunities from others. But let me just say, there's a lot of Nepo babies out there that deserve the fame, the fortune, and everything. I'm going to be real. Drew Barrymore deserved, deserved, deserved. Allison Williams deserved. Now, all of a sudden, I'm blanking on Nepo babies. You know, I have a real problem. Every time I do this podcast, I sit down and I forget everything. Like, I forget my fucking name. Like, my brain, I was just talking about how my brain, I hear 10 conversations at once. Like, I'm hearing voices. Like, that's what it's almost like. I'm hearing voices in my head. And right now, as I'm sitting here, it's just the, like, drool coming out of my mouth. I'm thinking blank thoughts. But anyway, Allison Williams elevates this to a much higher stand or a higher regard standard. I don't know the word. I think she elevates this point blank period. She's a fantastic actress. I really like her. I will watch Girls, especially because I really like her. And I just think that she will have a very bright and successful future in the horror genre, as well as many other genres. But speaking of elevation, let's just talk about what really made this movie absolutely great. And that is the screenwriter. And I don't know. I think her name is pronounced Akila Cooper. I think. I think. Do not quote me on that. A-K-E-L-A Cooper. Akila? That makes sense to me. We're going to go with Akila. 
She also wrote Malignant. Now, if you have not seen Malignant, I don't know what the hell you're doing. You need to hop on HBO Max. I think it's on HBO Max. Don't quote me on that and watch it. Stat. It was a James Wan movie. And it is kind of the same kind of tone to Megan where it is just so over the top, can't be crazy. But Malignant is much gorier than Megan is. Megan is was clearly meant to be a rated R movie, but they saw that they had a hit on their hands because Megan will be a hit. No matter how you spin it, it will be a hit. She went viral on TikTok. She went viral on Twitter. She went viral on probably Facebook. I don't fucking know. I don't go on Facebook. But she's a viral sensation. They said, this is a viral sensation on TikTok. What do we do? We need to make this PG-13 and get the most bang for our goddamn buck. So you can clearly tell that they cut a lot of gore out of this movie. This movie is very little gore. Do I think it takes me out of it? No. Well, you know what? I lied. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, they clearly cut right there. They clearly cut right there because it's one, a little awkward the way we didn't see, let's just say the ear pulling scene. I was like, they cut some of that to be PG-13. Oh, that stab, they cut some of that to be PG. They just don't, there's a lot of not showing. It's clearly a rated R movie that was cut to be PG-13. And there's no problem with that. Although I do have some issue. (laughs) I am the biggest, I contradict myself all the time. There's no problem with that, but I do have an issue. I do have an issue when it's done sloppily. And I don't think Megan is done sloppily. For example, the other woman starring none other than our mother, Cameron Diaz, and Leslie Mann and Kate Upton. Also Nicki Minaj, randomly. But that movie came out, what, like 2016 or something? I don't remember. It was clearly... I think they were always anticipating that movie to be PG-13. And I do remember there was controversy where the MPAA wanted to make it rated R and they had to fight to get PG-13. And one of the ways that they were able to secure the PG-13 rating was that they argued that there's many other PG-13 movies that involve men doing talking about sex or doing the comedy that they were doing and then being less harsh on it. So that's a whole other conversation, but there is one scene with one shot in particular that was so clearly edited to make the PG-13 rating that it drives me absolutely fucking insane. And I don't know why they kept this specific shot in the scene because in the scene, Cameron Diaz clearly says, fuck, you see it on her mouth so vividly, so clearly. Her mouth looks like you're holding the magnifying glass to it. You're not missing it. Okay. It's a big ass mouth. We see fuck and they, they cut it. It's, she says something else. I don't remember what they used instead. Probably fricking. I don't know, but it, it sends, it sends a sharp signal up my spine. Okay. Something's not right. I don't like it. Take it back. They could have easily cut away to Leslie Mann's character's face. Cause I think she's the one who she's talking to in the scene when the fuck happens when they dubbed it over to say something else, but they didn't. And I don't know why they would do that. I really don't know why they did that. Literally just insert a cutaway to fucking Leslie Mann. We all want to see Leslie Mann. We love Leslie Mann, okay? She's also mother. (laughs) But I don't think this really had any issue like that in it. I do think you can tell that some of it was cut out to make it PG-13, some of the violence, but it's not a problem. 
I honestly don't know how I got onto that. I was talking about Akila Cooper and now I'm there. Oh, I was saying Malignant is much more gory, but Malignant, the tone is like so absolutely fucking bonkers, ridiculous. But they play it like it's not ridiculous. And that's where I think this works because one, I, the filmmakers are self-aware, but the characters are not. Does that make sense? I think there's a big problem with big commercial movies right now. And I'm just going to say it mainly with Marvel. I think Marvel, I don't want to say killed cinema. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. So many others say that and then they get dragged for it. I don't want to get dragged for it. I'll enjoy a Marvel movie. I've always enjoyed a Marvel. Well, that's not true. I hated Thor Love and Thunder. Absolutely hated it. One star. Maybe I gave it two. It wasn't good. I'm just going to say that. But the thing with Marvel that I think popularized this so to a very large extent where nothing can ever be fucking serious anymore they're building up tension shit's getting real or shit's getting sad or something and all of a sudden we have to have a one-liner to break up that emotion no marvel i know you're listening to this kevin feige i know you're fucking listening to this you're my biggest fan we need to stop with that. To build up all of these emotional beats just to be destroyed by one stupid fucking one-liner because they're like, oh, we're self-aware. This is funny. No, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. The thing that works so well about Megan and Malignant is that the filmmakers are super aware. Did I already say this? I don't know. Anyway, the filmmakers are aware that this situation is ridiculous that this is coming off as comedy but the characters do not realize that so it's serious and that's kind of what's funny about it that's what makes it work we can still have these big emotional feelings and these big moments especially in megan where this little girl is dealing with grief of her parents and this woman is dealing with now she has to be a mother to a kid she barely knows she has to change her whole entire life she doesn't know how to do this and we can have those moments without it being funny you know without someone saying a sh shitty cheap one-liner that someone just pulled out of their ass it's not working it doesn't land especially when it's sandwiched in between what's supposed to be an emotional scene or an intense scene or this crazy action scene Things can be weird and wacky, but still feeling like they're they're real. Akila Cooper is really good at having the understanding, I think, of kind of how life works, where things are serious, but also the context of these serious moments can be funny, and they don't need to be broken up by a cheap one-liner. You can laugh at a situation and still take it seriously you can think a situation is so fucked up that it's funny without pointing out that it's fucked up and funny and it works and it blends together perfectly and i think megan and malignant excel at that megan is the perfect popcorn movie it is the movie that you need to see with your friends the movie you need to see with a group of people because it, that's what it's engineered to be and i am very excited to see anything else Akilah Cooper did. Going into this, I didn't know she wrote Malignant until right before I went and saw Megan. And it looks like just looking at IMDb, she's writing or she wrote the script to The Nun too. So we'll see. Maybe she'll take a serious route. I did not care for the first nun. 
Um, I watched it, you know, just because it's part of the Conjuring universe and it's really big and whatnot, but really because I like Taysa of Farmiga. But I am interested in that. I'm interested in anything she does. And I'm also interested in anything the director, who is, let me just make sure I get it right, Gerard Johnstone. Um, I'm interested in anything else he does in the future as well, because he released or he directed a movie in 2014 called Housebound. And I think I saw it probably like in 2014, 2015. And I don't remember a lot of it. And again, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but it stuck with me. Not because of the plot. I don't, well, I do, I remember like the basic plot of it, but I don't, I don't remember really the characters. I don't remember how the sequence of events happen. I just have like brief images in my head because I watch so many movies, they literally blend together to me. But this one I think was able to be so unique that I just remember watching it and being like, this is a really weird fucking movie and I've never seen anything like this. Because I think, don't quote me on this because again, it's been a while, but I am 99.9% sure that it kind of had the same tone that Megan did where it was scary, it was serious, but it was also like this situation is so fucking crazy that it's funny and it took itself seriously. And I think it was kind of like one of the first horror movies that I saw that kind of had that tone. I think Scream has that tone as well in a different way though. I think Scream is... You know, actually, I wouldn't say Scream. I would say Scream 3 is like this. You know, Scream 3 is the silliest of the franchise, and it is the most over-the-top, the most unbelievable one of the bunch. You know, you've got the voice changer. you got the house explosion. you got the Scooby-Doo mansion chase style. But you also have this, like, emotional side plot where Sydney's seeing her dead mother, and she's being haunted by her, and her PTSD is coming into effect, and she is hallucinating or is she not hallucinating and is she being fucked with by Ghostface, or is she really just starting to unravel and then the revelation of who Ghostface is and the relationship that this person has with sydney and then their final confrontation and it's all very real and should be taken seriously but it's also like i can't believe this is happening look at courtney cox's bangs but also it's just like <laughs> it's like it's it can be crazy and still be taken seriously and that's what I, I love about these types of movies and that's what i love about megan so i highly recommend seeing it i highly recommend seeing it with a crowd i know i just made it sound like oh why would i want to see this in a crowd the crowds fucking suck right now one they're coughing in your face two they bring babies and three their phones are on but with those things happening tonight i still had such a good time watching this crazy fucking doll run like a dog after this kid and try and kill him. Like the crowd was going wild. I was looking at my friend. We were laughing. It was just such a good time. And actually I thought this was really fucking corny. I'm not going to lie. It's like when the plane lands and people clap, they were, the crowd was clapping going wild for Megan when the credits started rolling. I was like, okay, <laughs> it wasn't that good. Okay. <laughs> There's no need to clap. There's no need to clap. You know, Megan is good, but I don't think it is round of applause good especially not in the middle of some random theater in the middle of michigan you know this isn't the Cannes film festival i just have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to the movies and that's one of them and i want to make it clear because i think there's two different 
things I'm talking about here. One is the shared experience, haha, laughter together. And then the other is just obnoxious behavior. And I don't think clapping is that obnoxious. You know, the movie's over, whatever, do what you want to do. For me personally, I think that's annoying, but I'm not going to be like, shut the hell up. You know, what I am going to be shut the hell up to is like behavior at a Marvel movie on opening night. I understand people get excited and they love those movies. I enjoy many of them too. I thought Avengers Endgame was really fun, okay? I saw it opening night and that was, I think, the last straw for opening night Marvel for me. And that one is a bit of a special experience because, you know, it's like the end of the story they were doing and people were going to die and it was supposed to be really big and epic and I get people were excited. But I cannot handle the people shouting at the screen saying, oh, like I can't. I can't. They're pissing and shitting themselves over this. Drives me absolutely crazy. I don't like a rowdy crowd and that is a rowdy crowd. I think Megan is more of a joint good time. <laughs> it was just a lot of laughter rather than people ex like screaming about some Easter egg and jumping up and down and because that is genuinely what my theater experience was for Endgame and it was driving me absolutely insane and I don't want this to be like a I'm shitting on Marvel podcast because I don't know that's just not me I like I said I do like a lot of Marvel movies I have not really cared for any of the more recent ones post Endgame but you know what whatever I just think Megan is specifically engineered to be watched with an audience. There's something about like contagious laughter that I think plays really well with this movie, especially because there's so many moments that are just so what is happening, you know, that it's almost like, I don't, I don't want to say a nervous laugh, but like a nervous laugh. We're just like, what is happening? And, you know, like some of those that were in the movie was like the, every single needle drop in this movie every single song that came on people were cracking up at when megan was singing the most random outdated pop song literally ever or her on the piano or even the trailer having taylor swift it's nice to have a friend they're just such bizarre oddball choices that it is really funny and everyone starts laughing and then everyone's laughing because everyone else is laughing and it's a really good time. I think this movie would play perfect with a bunch of friends having a movie night together in their apartment, their house, whatever. It is just one of those. I think it plays absolutely perfectly for that. It's the right amount of comedy, the right amount of weirdness, the right amount of campiness, the right amount of a good time. And that is why I cannot recommend Megan enough. It is, honestly, is it anything special? Yes, actually it is. It is something special because I think it, it, it accomplishes exactly what it is trying to do. It is trying to be funny. It is trying to be heartfelt. It is trying to be, honestly, it's trying to be a meme. Let's be real here. This movie, I, the filmmaker set out to make this a meme. You can't persuade me to think otherwise. I think they knew exactly what they were doing when they had their dance 
moment. I think they knew exactly what they were doing when they designed the look of Megan. I think they knew exactly what they were doing when they chose all of those music choices. It's very deliberate and it pays off in the best way possible every single time. I don't think there was a moment where a joke really didn't land. And I was laughing so hard at Allison Williams' character threatening her neighbor to put her dog down. I thought that was very bold of her and I can't believe anyone. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that happens quite a bit. But it was such a bizarre choice to have the protagonist of the movie (laughs) screaming at her neighbor saying that I'm going to put your dog down. That is such an unlikable thing for a protagonist to say, but she said it. And I also, I think that is another reason why I really liked these characters and I really liked Allison Williams because they do feel like flawed people that are um, real, you know? Um, Allison Williams, and I don't remember her character's name, She, her character was very flawed and I really liked that. I love a flawed protagonist. I don't like it when the protagonist is like the, you know, perfect person. And I think that happens a lot in horror. There's a lot, you know, the final girl trope where they're the good girl, the virgin, the the bookworm, whatever. I don't think, I think that gets really stale. We've seen it, whatever. Let's have characters that are real, that have, that make mistakes, because we all make mistakes, whatever. It, I think it immerses you more into the movie, into these characters. And Allison's character was she had her issues. You know, she really did not know how to take care of this kid. One, the food that she was giving this girl was always just toast with nothing on it. It was bread, toasted bread, nothing else. She, (laughs) the one scene where she's with um, her niece and she realizes she has to do some work and she's like, can you just hold down the fort for now? First of all, no, this girl is what, nine at the most? She just lost her parents. She's in a house. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know what she can do, what she can touch. She has no boundaries whatsoever. And you're saying, can you hold down the fort? I have to leave. Like, she's so unprepared to be a parent. And then, you know, the her motivations at work are, you know, they're a little skewed. One, it's like, Does she want to just make a big technological advancement? What are the morals behind this technical advancement? Is it going to be harmful to society? Is it going to be harmful to um, childhood development? Yada, yada, yada. And I thought it was really nice to see her kind of go back and forth on all of it. And just the fact that she threatened to kill a dog. (laughs) Something that is so infamously hated among moviegoers where they have a website where you can see if a dog is killed in a movie before seeing it. And you know, I'm just going to say it. A dog does get killed in Megan. Just fair warning. You know, a lot of people don't like seeing that. They find it very unforgivable for obvious reasons. (laughs) And we have our main protagonist threatening to kill a dog. It's perfect. It's brilliant. I love it. I love it. I thought it was so funny because it was just so off the wall to see And I think this movie is filled with that. And I feel like we will be seeing that on every single rewatch. We will catch something new to laugh at. And yeah, I can't recommend, I can't recommend it enough, especially in theaters. Um, I am interested in seeing how it will play 
not in theaters and not with a crowd, just, you know, by myself. I still think it'll be funny. I still think it will, you know, work. But I really do think that it was meant to be seen in theaters. And I hope if you're listening to this, you give it a chance and you see it as soon as possible because I really don't think you'll regret it. Even if you think the movie is so absolutely stupid, which to be fair, it is stupid. It is a stupid movie. And you know, that's why I love it. That's why it works. That's why it's funny. But I just cannot see a way that you would not watch Megan and not have a good time in any way, shape, or form. I think no matter what your reaction is to it, you're still going to leave that theater after having a few laughs. And really that makes the whole thing worth it. Makes the whole thing worth it. So I am really happy that this was my first movie theater experience of the new year. I'm trying to make it a goal of mine to go to the movies more. Again, I didn't go quite a bit during like. I used to go almost every weekend before COVID. I felt like I was there all the time. I was doing double features. I was killing my bank account. And then COVID happened and I have been very, you know, hit or miss on whether I want to go to the movies or not still. And again, obviously for good reason, because when I went to see Megan, I had someone right next to me who was clearly not 100% healthy. (laughs) I don't know what they had. I don't care what they had, but I did not want to be near it and I don't want it. I don't like being stuck next to someone who's just openly coughing into the environment. Who likes that? Nobody. But with that being said, I do want to go to the movies more because when I was looking at my, you know, letterbox stats, I was like, I really have not seen that many 2022 releases this year. Like I'm, I'm really behind. So I would like to go quite a bit more. I really missed going to the movies. And this is the type of movie that makes me realize why I love going to the movies because, you know, there's just nothing better to me. If you're going to ask me what I want to do for the day, I want to go to the movies. I want to sit in a unsanitized lounge chair, eat overpriced junk and watch a movie in the dark while trying to ignore the coughing and the cell phone lights around me. (laughs) Ugh, there's nothing better. It's like home, you know? It's like home. (laughs) That's my thoughts on Megan. Thank you so much for listening and follow me on Instagram at film.degree and stay tuned for for future episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you.